This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, one of America's foremost manufacturers of premium knives. Case Knives have been treasured items that have been passed down to my family for generations. So put down the phone, shut off the TV, and go out and get your hands dirty and build something. Keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. Hey, you are listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host tonight, Sean Dietrich. And man, we've got a great show lined up ahead of you here, coming to you live via the podcast airwaves and the radio waves all over this fine nation. We are back for season two. We are back in this wonderful group of folks you see behind me here, fixing to play music for you tonight is Trout Steak Revival, everybody. Trout Steak Revival. This portion of our program is brought to you by visitnorthalabama.org, the Mountain Lakes Tourist Association. Visit the 16 North Alabama counties and make this state what it is. Let's talk about fishing for a second. The Alabama Bass Fishing Trail features 13 of Alabama's premier bass fishing lakes that stretch from the mountains of North Alabama heading south to the Mobile Delta. You might lie awake at night sometimes and wonder if you're a fisherman or not. Well. Here's a litmus test for you, developed by the scientists at the University of Alabama. It's very, very easy. Very easy. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. All you got to do is look in your refrigerator 
And if you see tartar sauce or cans of beer, congratulations. You're a fisherman. If you're not, don't worry, because you're about to be one. Alabama is a year-round destination for anglers from across the country who tell their wives they're going fishing, and then they haul very big, heavy coolers into their boats, but often forget their fishing rods at home. North Alabama is home to hundreds of regional and national tournaments across this 52,400 square mile state. So visit NorthAlabama.org to find out more about it or hashtag VisitNorthAL. <laughs> We're gonna have another tune here. We're gonna have another tune here from Trout Steak Revival, everybody. Trout Steak Revival.
a little bit of our mail this evening, a little bit of our mail sent to us from listeners all over this fine nation who took the time to put pen to paper and uh, send us a few sentiments or send us an email or send us a legal letter asking us to cease and desist. Uh, first letter comes from Jane Donaldson in Austin, Texas. Dear Sean, I got in your podcast after I read about it in Southern Living. And they said your show was one of the 50 things people ought to do this summer. But I have been listening to you for a little while, and I thought that maybe you were at least number 49. I'm only kidding. When I first listened to you, I found every episode and listened to them all in a week. and realized that your first season was done, and I would have to wait for the second season to kick up, and I was so traumatized that I felt like your show and your bands and all the people you talk about have become like old friends. And even though I've never met them, I looked forward to meeting them every week. I'm so glad I found your show. I can't wait to hear season two. Read my letter when you finally kick it off. And congratulations on being named in Southern Living as one of the top 50 things to do this summer. Dear Jane Donaldson, thank you so much. Elvira Steadman, Santa Rosa County, Florida. Dear Sean, my Uncle Lois and Aunt Marie lived out in the country when I was a kid. Oddly enough, I live right near there now, but it's not the country anymore like it used to be. And Lois had a small hobby farm and a workshop out back, never forget it. Whenever my aunt wanted him to come in to do whatever, she would step back to the porch and she would yell, Lois! And the whole area code would hear it. Small aside here, her voice was kind of grating and she could be a bit of a chore. They fought like preteens in the back seat. They never got along. Anyway, she would keep yelling until he dropped whatever he was doing and made his way up to the house. More often than not, the need was not worth the trip. After a few decades of this, my uncle acquired a blue tick hound named Pete. Lois kept Pete covered in oil and some sort of, some sort of motor oil because he had a persistent mange problem. Pete had mange, that is, not Lois. Lois got the bright idea one day that if he taught the dog to answer to Lois instead of its name Pete, the dog would come running every time my aunt bellowed and, and, and he might find some peace and quiet in his workshop. So that's what he did. My aunt would step back onto the porch and she would holler, Lois! And this mangy, oil-covered, blue-tick hound would let out this ow and come galloping up from the garden and right over my aunt he would run. She never did put it together what my uncle had done. 
That's my uncle. After a while, my uncle gave my uncle and this dog grew so close that they traded names. <laughs> and he would only answer to Pete, my uncle. It became so commonplace for the family to refer to Uncle Pete and his dog with these names that, that everybody just got confused. Anyway, looking back, maybe we should have been a little more concerned, but I guess that was a different time. At his funeral, some younger family members were surprised to learn Uncle Pete's real name was actually Lois. My God, what a story. Thank you for sending that in. Sherry Biscayne, Decatur, Alabama. Sean, my son had a tooth extracted and we let him listen to your show to help with the pain because we found that your show is better than a sleeping pill. And at one point I heard him in the other room crying and moaning and I came running to see what was wrong and he smiled and said, nothing's wrong. With bandages in his mouth, I could hardly understand his words. He said, I was just singing, Mom. Turns out he was singing with whatever your band was singing that week, and it sounded like he was having a conniption fit, and I just thought that was something you'd get a kick out of hearing. Dear Shelly, I for one love the word conniption fit. Anthony Soler, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Sean, the way I found your show was because my mother, who was originally from Tuscaloosa, she saw you perform in Mobile and thought that it was something that I would like. Well, it is something I like. But I wanted to see if you would talk about the pollen down south. The pollen gets so bad, every time I invite someone to visit my parents in the deep south who are not from the deep south, they are so surprised by the pollen. So I was just wondering if you could say a little something about that so that I could uh, share it with a few friends who will be visiting Tuscaloosa from New York City this summer. Well, dear friends from New York City, stay home in New York City. The pollen in the South is so bad it will kill you. That is not an exaggeration. I have an uncle who died. Don't get me wrong, he didn't die from pollen, he died from natural causes, but he died nonetheless. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> Blake Monson. Holyoke, Massachusetts. My son and I made watching your show a weekly thing. He's away at camp for the summer and I will be curious if he continues to listen to this show now that we are not together because I suspect that I was making him listen to it. If you say his name over the air, I have no doubt if he hears it, it will inspire him to give his old dad a call and I hope he does because I miss my boy so much. I hope he hears it and does just that. His name is Jordan Andrew Monison. Shout out to my son. Thanks from all your friends up here in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Well, dear Jordan, from everybody here tonight, son, pick up the phone and call your daddy. He misses you. Love your buddy, Sean Dietrich. Susan Hiller, Chalmette, Louisiana. Sean, congratulations on being written up in Southern Living. It was a huge thrill for me to read it because I started listening to you by accident when I found you on iTunes when I was searching for something else and I've been a fan ever since. And when you sent me free books in the mail after I sent you my first message, it made a lifelong listener out of me. I just wanted to say, I hope you keep it up because you're a cool guy 
and I want selfishly to have something to listen to when I drive to work. I'm a nurse, by the way, in case you forgot, an old one. I'll be 61 this year. Love you, signed, Susan. Dear Susan, thank you and happy 61st birthday from everybody here tonight. Joe Lane from St. Louis, Missouri. Come to St. Louis, Sean, to watch the Cardinals game and have a little fun, and my husband and I will treat you to a sightseeing trip around town. You can even go up and see the arch, although I'm afraid of heights. I will not be joining you. We're from Mobile originally, but we've fallen in love with St. Louis since we came here for my husband's job. And I think that you have a lot of material to find up here in St. Louis, Missouri, because in this old city, there are some parts to it with a beautiful vibe beautiful vibe. Anyway, just throwing it out there in case you ever come up this way. Look me up. Love your friend, Jolene and Harold. Dear Jolene and Harold, you never know. You never know. My aunt used to live in St. Louis, Missouri. I actually went up to go see the arch one time. It was the most terrifying trip of my entire life. C.C. <laughs> Garrison, Ontario, Canada. I had a friend from Germany who passed last week and it really, really hurt me. We were friends a long time ago when it seemed like nobody else was around to be friends with. A good friend is hard to find. Have you ever noticed that, Sean? Anyway, we finally took our plunge into the land of adulthood when we were young by promptly deciding that we would go on a road trip before we took our jobs and became working members of society. So, we started our road trip in Minnesota and swore to see the U.S. We toured as many states as we could for three whole months. And we had the times of our lives. Sometimes we'd stay in hotels, and sometimes we'd sleep in our van. Sometimes we'd sleep underneath the stars in sleeping bags, and sometimes we'd chase a few pretty girls and in yonder towns. Did you like how I use that word, Sean? Yonder. It's a southern word. I've read it before, but we don't use it where I'm from. We got to see the Grand Canyon and the Redwood Forest in California, and it was one of the greatest parts of the end of my young childhood because I was a child. It was the end of my childhood altogether. I just didn't happen to know it at the time. I took a job after that, so did my friend, and we sort of lost touch. His family moved back to Germany, and we sent emails to each other over the years, but it was nothing major. I heard he died, and I couldn't go to his funeral because I can't afford to get all the way over to Germany. Anyway, I had to tell somebody about him, and I had to tell your listeners, of which I am one, that you never know when the greatest days of your life are gonna happen. So savor each day in case that day is today. That's all. Your friend, Cece Garrison, all the way up here in cold Ontario. Well, dear Cece, dear Cece, I am not even sure where Ontario is, to tell you the truth. I hadn't been many places in my life. The farthest I've ever been was Cosmel, Mexico on a cruise that I wish I could get my money back for. But I would like to say thanks for the letter and I would like to read an excerpt from a poem in honor of your friend, Heinrich. 
poem was written by Mary Elizabeth Fry. Do not stand at my grave and weep. I'm not there, I do not sleep. I'm in a thousand winds that blow. I'm the softly fallen snow. I'm the gentle showers of rain. I'm the fields of ripening grain. I'm in the morning hush. I'm in the morning hush and the graceful rush of beautiful birds in circling flight. I am the star shine of the night. I'm in the flowers that bloom. I'm in a quiet room. I'm in the birds that sang. And I'm in each lovely thing. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I'm not there. I do not die. May we never forget the people who have made our lives worth living. May we never, ever forget them. And that's letters from our listeners. We're going to have another tune here. Yeah. 
best we'll pick up the pieces Bad weather, not afraid to get wet Challenge accepted, we'll take it Perspiration, no sweat Perspiration, no sweat I started this show with a buddy of mine with $57 worth of cheap recording equipment and I never thought this thing would do anything. And so far, I have not been disappointed. <laughs> but we have gathered a few listeners. We started this show off with nine listeners. I want you to know that's just enough to form a baseball team. Just enough. And after 75 episodes last season, 75 episodes, we were able to get that number all the way up to 12 listeners. <laughs> I feel so grateful. I feel so grateful to anybody who's listened to the show over the past two years. I feel so grateful for anybody who's written us up. I'm grateful to Case Knives for taking a chance on us and sponsoring us and Folklore Brewery and North Alabama, visit NorthAL.com. And I am grateful to you, the listeners who have tuned in to us every week. And I'm grateful to Southern Living for writing us up as one of the top 50 things to do this summer. I really am, I really am. I just never thought we'd do anything with this show at all. I'll never forget starting it and how, how timid I was. When I very first started speaking, I was afraid. I, I'm a terrible speaker. I, I can't believe that I'm doing this with my life and, and I can look out there and see your faces and see that you can't believe it either. <laughs> Boy, I, I, I was in uh, Florence, Alabama a few nights ago for the show Storytelling Festival, which is a storytelling festival where people from all over the nation come and gather and they tell these stories and they're fine crafted stories with a low beginning and a crux right there in the middle, which we call the, the apex. And then they would come down to a day crescendo and end and, and finish with this poignant punchline. I don't have poignant punchlines, but for some, unknown reason I was invited to, to tell stories up there and for the Shoals Storytelling Festival. I met people who've been doing this for, for a long time. Met a man named Donald who is very, very good at what he does and I felt like a fool in his presence. We ate dinner together in an Italian restaurant and I asked him what he does when he's telling stories and he went through this long scientific process and I started to feel more foolish and more foolish because the only training I have when it comes to telling stories is, is trying to channel the, the inner man inside me who wears Velcro shoes and has white hair. Some of my greatest friends have been old men through my, through my years. I grew up a father, and so you grow up trying to piece together your father in other people, and I found old men who seemed to fit the bill. I had a lot of friends who would invite me onto their porch, and they would tell stories. Because this is what old men do. They tell stories. I'll never forget telling these stories of mine at the Shoal Storytelling Festival and seeing the blank looks on people's faces. 
few weeks ago, I was taking my dog, Thelma on a walk. She's a black and tan bloodhound. Beautiful dog, lanky, long. Her ears are all the way down to her knees. When she barks, it's a low-pitched bark that makes you remember what it used to be like when men used to coon hunt. I don't know if anybody here remembers coon hunting, but coon hunting used to be a, a pastime that men used to, to engage in. I can remember men in my family running through the woods and the sounds of them dogs running through the woods charging after a coon that you couldn't see and the men having them carbide lamps on their hats and they're plunging through the dark and you know they're plunging in zigzags because they're not very sure-footed because they're drinking something out of a mason jar. Or in my family's case, they would drink things out of reused ketchup bottles, but it was always the same. It was a clear liquid, and they would chase after these dogs, and these dogs would go, ooh, ooh. Now you know why I did such a terrible job at the show storytelling festival. <laughs> these men would follow these dogs. That's all coon hunting is. It's just following a dog. You carry the gun just as, to look like you're hunting, but uh, most of the time it's just an excuse to carry that empty ketchup bottle with you or that mason jar and run through the woods in the dark. And if your dog is lucky enough to treat a coon, then you can get to work on it. My dog, however, has never treated anything, never treated anything that's any bigger than a house cat. House cat in our neighborhood named Brewster was running down the road one day and my dog got out. Her name is Thelma Lou. Thelma Lou got out and she charged this dog and I heard her sound. She charged after this, this house cat and got her all the way up in the tree and she got out underneath it and she just uh, uh, and I tried to tug her back but when a dog sees something treed in the tree that it has treed of its own volition, this dog has idiot strength. You cannot tug it back. It's embedded in their DNA. I tried to tug on her leash and I couldn't get her and she snapped the leash and she chased this cat all the way into the woods for two miles. And she was picked up by a sheriff's deputy and he couldn't find any identification tags on her because her collar had gotten ripped off in the woods. So he took her up to the Walton County Animal Shelter where I had to go find her and pay $300 to get her out all because she chased a little cat named Brewster. I don't remember what I was talking about. I was taking my dog, Femaloo, on a walk. We were walking down the road. I saw my, these neighborhood kids, they were just playing in the street. I love to watch neighborhood kids play. They were in the sprinkler, in the sprinkler, running and chasing each other, making noises. It was beautiful. There were a few other kids down the street, and they were playing baseball. I love to watch kids play catch. I hope that our nation never gets so advanced that we forget how to play catch. You can get your smartphone and you can download an app that will allow you to flush your toilet from outer space. You can open your garage door when you're four miles from the house. Kids nowadays can get their phone and they can look up the best fishing spots with their GPS and they can actually fish that spot using nothing but their phone and then rate the spot using from two to five stars. There ain't no need to leave the house anymore. But when I see kids playing catch, I have hope for America again. This world would be a lot better off if we would play a lot more catch.
Emily was just tugging me, tugging me on the leash. She likes to keep a taut leash so that when you flick it, it makes a, a, the, the, the tune of the, of the note B flat. Bing, taut leash. She tugs me, and if I were to wear roller skates, she would take me all the way to Fiji. She's walking along, and there's something in the middle of the road. I can see it in the distance. It's this little furry thing. God help me if you're listening to this and you're squeamish. It looked like raw hamburger. Raw hamburger with a squirrel tail stuck on the end. I knew what it was. It was a squirrel. And it grieved me because I've always had this thing for squirrels. Now, I don't know how to describe it, but when I was growing up, I loved squirrels. I'd watch them in the treetops and I'd think to myself, them suckers look like they're having so much fun. Why didn't God make me a squirrel? And it was in my fifth grade class that my teacher, my teacher asked us to write poetry. And I could think of nothing more spiritual in that moment than to write a poem about dying and being reincarnated as a squirrel. Got me into a lot of hot water with that old woman. That old woman was something else. When I recited that poem before class, her mouth dropped open and her eyes got as big as serving platters. And she marched me to the principal's office. He was a Methodist man and a good man. He had this big old paddle on his wall called the Old General with letters burned into the wood. This thing looked like it was an old paddle from the Dixie Bell River Queen. It was, a, it was a paddle that could have flattened your backside into a Texas pancake. And that man could not do it when I told him my poem because he was laughing so hard. He said, you want to be reincarnated as a squirrel? Why not a panther or a tiger or a shark? I said, sir, we are what we are. He said, I don't even know what that means. So I was hoping you did. <laughs> My dog looked at this squirrel carcass there on the road, this, 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 this carnage there on the road, and she was sniffing it, and she was getting all into it, and I was tugging her back, and I was yelling her name, and the kids started to gather, because they loved my dog, Thim Lou. They started to gather, and they were, they were looking at what she was looking at and nosing, and they started covering their mouths and backing up and going, oh, no, oh, no, 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 Mr. Shaw, no. And I apologize for Thim Lou's primal behavior, but she's a dog, and dogs will, will do what dogs will do. Thim Lou is obsessed with cat poop and anything that smells like it's been passed through the system of a dying goat. <laughs> so I tugged her back. I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And there's this little girl in our neighborhood, little girl. And she came up to me and she said, I can't believe it's dead. And her brother Tyler said, that thing, that thing had nine lives and spent them all. And that little girl looked at him, and she said, it's not an it. Its name is Robert. And that boy said, what? She said, its name is Robert. It, it, it had a name. It probably had a family. He said, you're crazy. <laughs> and then I'll never forget this. That little girl looked at me. She said, Sean, would you help us give this thing a funeral? I said, do what? 
She said, I, we've got to give it a proper funeral. It had a life and a mama and a daddy. I just want to give it a send-off. Well, I thought this over for a little bit. It reminded me of when I was growing up. When I was growing up, I had two hamsters, Fred and Ginger. Fred and Ginger, I, I held a wedding for them. I sent out invitations and everything. I only had two people come in attendance, and, and that is not including my mother. <laughs> we had a little wedding ceremony for them. I, I, I had refreshments and a little reception. We played songs like Do the Hustle and Mandy by, by Barry Manilow and songs like YMCA. And also once, when my cat Rusty died, he was an orange tomcat, when my cat Rusty died, I went down the street, which was about a mile away from our house, to a man's house who was named Brother Tony. Brother Tony was a retired Baptist preacher. And I asked Brother Tony if he would do the funeral for Rusty. And he looked at me, and he treated my request with as much respect as you would treat anything. He acted like I was asking something that was completely logical and sensical even though it was just a child asking for a grown man to perform the ceremony for his dead cat. And Brother Tony showed up to my house. I will never forget it. We stood in the backyard. He wore a button-down shirt and a necktie and everything. And over that little hole in the ground where we buried Rusty, Brother Tony and me and my daddy and my mama stood. And Brother Tony said, Oh, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he maketh me lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And when the funeral was over, when the funeral was over, I followed him. I said, Brother Tony, do you think that Rusty's in heaven? He said, oh, son, I don't think. I know. Never forget that man. So I went back home. I went back home and my first order of business for this uh, squirrel, Robert, let's call him Robert, was to get a, uh, it's what you call a doo-doo bag. <laughs> my dog, when she goes to the bathroom on someone else's property, we get what's called a doo-doo bag. You put it over your hand and you follow your dog and she looks back at you before she does her business like, really? I should have just done it in the living room. <laughs> and when she's done, you reach down and you, I'll save you the details because this is a family show. I showed up to the middle of the street where these children was waiting for me with a doo-doo bag on my right hand and a pair of old rusted barbecue tongs in my other. And I squatted down, and I, I had a Converse tennis shoe box, and I, I picked up the squirrel's remains, Robert's, sorry. I picked up Robert's remains, I placed them into the box, I closed it. And five children, five neighborhood children, followed me across the street to the backyard of that young girl and her brother Tyler. And there was a girl behind us named China, who's five years old, and her brother, who was named Malone. We went down back to the yard and we, we dug a hole with a little shovel about the size of a shoebox. And these children stood around and they were looking at the hole and I placed the box in the hole. I could see 
their older sister on the porch in the distance, and she was looking at us with her cell phone. She was texting her friends. I knew what she was saying. She was saying, my kid, my kid brother and my kid sister are dorks, but the rider down the street is a psychopath. <laughs> we buried that little squirrel, Robert, in that hole. And I said a few words. I tried to keep it light. I tried to keep it a little bit funny. I said, oh, Lord, you know, Robert was a good old boy. And I opened it up for comments from the kids. I'll never forget this. China was the first to speak. A little girl lace shirt said, I loved that, Robert. He was always so happy. Another little girl said, yeah. He loved his life, didn't he? Sometimes I'd see him running in the trees. And Tyler said, he sure was fast. And Malone said, I liked old Robert. I liked him a lot. And I will be dogged if these kids were not getting a little bit worked up. You see, death is a real thing. It doesn't matter what dies, death is its own thing. And these kids were experiencing it, and I was with them. The kids said, Mr. Sean, don't you think we ought to sing something? I said, well, sure, I, I reckon it'd be a good idea. How about a, a hymn or something? And China said, I don't know no hymns. I said, well, what do you know? She said, well, I know the Bing Bong song from Peppa Pig. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, uh, let's hear y'all sing it. And they all sang it. They all knew it. They all sang the Bing Bong song at a dirge-like tempo, very slow, very slow, and it just rolled along. When they finished, the little girl tugged on my coat, and she said, say a few more words. And so I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And Miss China, little China, said, will you sing something for me? And I sang the same song I sang at my granddaddy's funeral, the same song that I sang at my father's funeral a long time ago. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And while I was singing, I saw these kids keep their heads down, sniff their noses. And I thought to myself about this squirrel. You know, a squirrel runs along in the treetops and he's happy because he doesn't overthink tomorrow. He's just thinking about today. He's not thinking about bills or about past taxes due to the IRS, or in my case, many, many, many years past taxes due. He's only thinking about right now. He leaps from branch to branch completely free from anxiety. He knows that branch will be there, and if it's not, well, he'll make something happen, but he knows he ain't gonna fall that squirrel doesn't worry, doesn't toil, doesn't worry about what he's going to wear or how he's going to buy his groceries. He's a happy little thing. When I finished, 
I walked away and I thought about, thought about this poem I wrote a long, long time ago. When I die, I want to come back as a squirrel, because a squirrel seems like a mighty fine thing to be. He ain't never broke, he ain't never wealthy, he don't have a mortgage, and he can't take a selfie. But he can run, and he can play in an old pine tree, and he can dangle from a limb like a chimpanzee, and if he falls, brother, after all, at least he ain't a pig whose butt is on an old football. <laughs> but when I die, I want to come back as a squirrel, not an angel, not a preacher, not a CEO. I can't go running, I can't go swimming, I can't do yoga, and I can't flirt with women. But when I die, I want to come back as a squirrel instead of silly old me. And just, that, just then, while I was thinking about that, that little girl was falling after me, and she tugged on the back of my shirt. She said, Mr. Sean, Mr. Sean, do you think Robert's in heaven? I looked at her, and I said, no, ma'am, I don't think. I know. Hey, thank you very much for having me this evening. It's been a wonderful pleasure. I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host today, Sean Dietrich. And, man, it's been a bona fide pleasure, if I do say so myself. I'll be joining us next week and maybe even the week after that. You ain't got nothing going on. This episode was brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy. Who once said the best way to cure idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife and by Folklore Brewery. Quite literally the best brew in Alabama. Check them out at folklorebrewingandmeadery.com. That music here behind me today was Trout Steak Revival. Ever since winning the 2014 Telluride Bluegrass Competition, Trout Steak Revival has quickly become the quintessential Colorado string band. Do yourself a favor and check out troutsteak.com and download their new album today or look at their tour schedule. You will not regret it. To find out more about what I do, you can visit seanofthesouthshow.com and there you can find archived episodes dating back to our very first episode to this episode, which you just heard, though I'm sorry you did. And while you're there, I hope you take the time to drop me a line, tell me about your birthday announcements, wedding invitations, potluck socials, and ice cream events, and I'll do my best to read them over the air for my listeners, because I love to do that sort of stuff for my friends. And speaking of friends, friends, God must have loved the common man, because he made so daggone many of us. Adios.